Welcome to Sunrise. Welcome to worship on this lovely sunny day today. So excited to be here and worship with you guys. Why don't you guys stand with us? We're here to worship, here to praise our God this morning. Why don't you guys pray with me? God, we are here for you today. We're here as your children to sing, to praise, to hear you speak, God. For this morning, you would open our ears to hear from you. Open our hearts to receive from you, Jesus. As many of us came in this morning on um, coming on the, off the heels of a busy week or even a busy, stressful morning, pray that you would help us to relax. Help us to enter into your presence. Help us to set our gaze upon you this morning, Jesus. Let the things of the world just start to fade. picture of the cross come to the forefront of our minds as we sing to you, Jesus, as we express our love for you today. As we sing, as we speak these words, as we sing this, this scripture in this song this morning, pray that it would come alive and that your love for us, we would feel that it would be tangible for us this morning, God. We give you today, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing.
Of the goodness of God. 
for your forgiveness. Thank you that even when we mess up day after day, that you love us and you forgive us. Help us to just keep coming to you in love. Thank you for your goodness, God. Open our ears to hear from you this morning. Open our hearts as you work in our lives throughout this week. Thank you for who you are and help us to know you more. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, my name is Dan. I don't know if I said that earlier, but I'm the worship director and community life director here at Sunrise. And I have a few announcements for us this morning before we get rolling on and other things to do this service. First of all, um, wine and Theology is coming up tomorrow night. So ladies, if you've been involved in this, or even if you haven't been, um, come on out tomorrow night to, um, I think it's Osgood Brewing we've been going to. Ladies have been going to. I haven't been going to. But Osgood Brewing, there'll be a, a wonderful conversation, some theological things to talk about. It's always a fun time. So ladies, it is tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Um, next, we've been talking, talking about this for a week or two now, coming up in a week and a half. The Sunrise Game Night. I think it's maybe first annual. I don't know. It's been a while since we've done anything like this. But um, March 30th at 6.30 p.m. here 
I'm not sure exactly which room it's going to be in. We may be in a couple different rooms. We have a bunch of different games planned, but we want to invite you guys as well to bring your own games if you'd like to, some board games, uh, some Pictionary. I think maybe in the youth room will be that the throw throw burrito. I don't know if kids of you know what that is, but adults, we might have some like euchre tournament going on in here as well. So um, come on out that night. It'll be a super fun time. I don't think we have an end time planned, so just come play games until you're done playing your game, and then we can take off. So that'll be a super fun time for families, um, couples, however, come on out and have fun. Lastly, this is something new we're doing this summer. Really excited. Julie's been planning this. Sunrise Kids Day Camp for incoming kindergarten through fifth graders. Um, there'll be six Tuesdays throughout June and July, kind of all in a row, that you guys, um, the kiddos signed up for this will come. There'll be Bible lessons, activities, adventures. Um, there's a flyer in the lobby with all the information about what's going to be going on during those times, the time frame. I think it's like a 10 to 4 situation on those Tuesdays. Um, there is a registration fee, but it's a lot of fun things. I think I took a little peek, and there's a trip to Boulder Park Zoo. There's a trip to Michigan's Adventures. So a lot of fun things planned. So kids, tell your parents to go pick up a flyer. It's going to be lots and lots of fun. So that registration, I think, um, ends in a couple months. So you got a, a, bit of, a bit of time for that. So take that. That's the end of my announcements. Um, we've been doing this for a couple weeks. We're back to having our greeting time finally. So um, why not you guys to take it? Well, take a second to stand. But first, before we have greeting time, we have to let the kids exit to their special designed time for Sunrise Kids. They have programming designed for them. So kiddos, take off. Parents, if you want to walk them back, you can. Otherwise, Mrs. Julie is out in the lobby waiting for them. The rest of us, why don't you guys stand? Let's take a few minutes greeting each other. Maybe walk and find someone you don't know, you haven't met before, and say hi. I will mercilessly, mercifully jump in and say, our greeting time is over. Well, guys, welcome. Go ahead and find your way back to your seats. We are in the third week of Lent, and if you have been with us, you will know what this slide is about. If you are jumping in for the first time, whether in the room or online, first of all, thanks for being with us. Second of all, this is a book, this book titled Bitter and Sweet by... Uh, Tish Oxenreiter is a book that we're using to help us walk through this season of Lent well. The Lenten season being that time of the church, 40 days leading up to the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Easter, of course, being that celebration of his resurrection. And we are in the third week of this Lenten season. This is the third Sunday of it. And so each week we've had a text up here. We have Philippians 4 verses 12 through 13, and a guiding question. This question is one that helps us kind of look back over the last week, and this week's question is, when has God given me opportunities this past week to release my desires to Him? Now, if you're new, settle down. You don't have to answer this question out loud, Uh, but I want to invite you for a second to just think about that. Uh, I'll continue talking. There won't be any awkward silence. But one of the invitations of this Lenten season is to give up pieces of ourselves, these things that we think are sweet, but as we exchange them and pick up gifts from God, we realize we can pick up something that is actually sweet and give up something that is bitter. And so this guiding question of when is a time this last week that we've been able to release our desires to Him follows this pattern of giving up some of the things that we want to pick up some of the things that we need. And this morning, um, I want to jump into a quote here that I think helps set the table well for us. If you are what you love, and love is a habit, then discipleship, that's a $5 word for growing up in your faith with Jesus, is a rehabilitation of your loves. It is a reorienting of them. This means that discipleship, growing in the direction of Jesus, is more a matter of reformation than acquiring information. If you are what you love and love is a habit, then growing in the direction of Jesus is a restructuring, a re-strengthening, a re-informing of our loves, a reprioritization. This means that growing in the direction of Jesus, discipleship, is more a matter of metamorphosis, of reforming the way that we live our lives, than it is absorbing 
more information. That's really simple, but it's not easy. And so, God, we come to you this morning uh, with measures of faith of varying degrees, and we ask for your help, not just in this Lenten season as we try to walk intentionally the path that you walked of giving up your own freedoms for the sake of bringing freedoms to others, but that you would walk with us in this conversation in such a way that our lives would continue to be transformed by your love and your grace so that we could be used to transform this world with your love and your grace. Amen. So, um, one of the things that we love is Chick-fil-A. Anyone else? This is not a commercial for Chick-fil-A. Please don't email me afterward about that. We love Chick-fil-A. One of the things we like about it is that when you go through and you order your food, you have a selection of sauces that you can pick from, right? What's your favorite one? Somebody tell me. Chick-fil-A sauce. Does anybody have a different sauce that they really love? Polynesian, there is another church for you. I'm kidding. <laughs> you mix them. Okay, that's okay. Mixed sauces, that's what we are about. <clears throat> What's wonderful is these sauces, right? When you're able to get these things, they make your fries and your sandwich so much better. Am I right? Are you with me? Yes. Chick-fil-A is already worth it, but when you get these, it's worth it even more. Now, here's the problem. I often go to Chick-fil-A by myself. I'm getting to the problem. That itself is not the problem. I go on behalf of my family, and my wife loves Chick-fil-A sauce. Now, here's what I am tasked with every time I go. Dan, come back with as much Chick-fil-A sauce as they will let you have. And so I go through the drive-thru, and I let them know, here is my electronic order number because I order on my app. And then I say very kindly, also, will you give me as many Chick-fil-A sauces as you're allowed to give me? And you know how many they give me? Two! <laughs> Two. And sometimes a third one. And it's when I come home with three that my wife loves me. <laughs> this is where real life happens with three Chick-fil-A sauces. When I come home with two... It's like, okay, well, thanks. Glad you went to Chick-fil-A. I'll stay with you for another year. But next time, <laughs> I want you to get more. Here is the thing that really helped out me. You can go to the store now, you can go online, and you can buy a huge bottle of Chick-fil-A sauce or Polynesian sauce, and your life is really good because you've got everything that you need when you encounter a Chick-fil-A waffle fry. When you don't have as much as you want, it's really easy to feel down and like this chicken sandwich is not going to be as good as I want it to be. This life that I am living, if I do not have enough, is not as good as it should be, right? Just think about currently, right now, which of these situations would you rather be in? Do you feel most happy with more or with less? When do you feel more excited about driving by mobile or Sitgo or Shell? When you have the equivalent of this in your tank? Or the equivalent of maybe one Chick-fil-A sauce in your tank? It's not very hard for us to get to the place where we realize that when we think we have more, our lives are better. And when we have less, unless it's rough toilet paper, our life is not as good. This season of Lent, I would like to suggest going back to this quote, helps us look again at our lives, whether it's the silly expressions of having a lot of Chick-fil-A sauce or a lot of gas in the tank or not very many friends or not a real clear diagnosis from the doctor, that there are pressure points in our lives that reveal to us how our loves are ordered and whether or not and how they should be rehabilitated. And so there is this prayer that I'm simply going to put up on the screen, and I'm going to invite you to read it with me. 
because I think this is a helpful prayer for us that was written a long time ago that helps push us in the direction that I believe Paul in Philippians chapter 4 that I introduced to you at the beginning is encouraging us to go. And so here are the words. Read these with me. I give and surrender myself wholly to you and offer you all I possess. Really easy to read from the screen, right? Really easy for that to be information. Really difficult for those words to be something that's trickled down into our hearts and help rehabilitate our loves. I love not having to pay a whole bunch of money for gas. And so do you. You know how I know? Because I see you post about it on Facebook. (laughs) We love it when things are going well at home. And we will praise God from the mountaintops when there are a bunch of people who will call us friends. But then when life gets kicked over and friends walk away, or the cupboard isn't as full as it used to be, or the hours at work get reduced, we can suddenly feel like, wait a minute, the quality of my life, the presence of God has somehow diminished. Are you with me? Awkward silence. Yeah, okay, a couple nods. Good. You're still with me. That's good. Paul takes the time. Paul is someone who followed Jesus. He was someone who grew up in the Jewish faith, who was, by the way that it was set up, anti-Jesus. Paul was someone who had risen up in those ranks and at some point decided the path he was following was not enough to help him live the life that God had designed him and all of us to live and that he needed to shift directions away from the Jewish faith to following Jesus. And so Paul wrote many different letters to many different people who followed Jesus because they grew up in the Jewish faith or they grew up outside of it and they also decided to give up their priorities for the sake of rehabilitating their loves in the direction that Jesus suggested that they should. And he writes... 60 years after Jesus' death, which is about 10 years before the Gospels were written. And he's writing to a group of people who have seen that he does not have what he needs in his life. At the time that Paul writes the book of Philippians, he's sitting in prison. And this isn't the kind of prison where there's cable TV, where you can work a job and you could go to the barber shop. This is the kind of prison where you are dependent on the generous gifts of God's people or your friends or your neighbors to come and to help take care of you. And this group of people from the city of Philippi who decided to follow Jesus saw Paul in that prison cell and they brought to him the things that he needed. And he writes in response to their generosity this letter that we call Philippians. And near the end of that letter, he writes these words. These words were written to the people of Philippi, but they are written for us as well. He says, I know what it is to have little, to have that empty gas tank, to not have the Chick-fil-A sauce that you want in life. And I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation, whether being well-fed or going hungry. And then he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is Paul. (laughs) Remember I told you that he rose up in the ranks of the Jewish faith. That means that there were people who came together like this. They called themselves Jews, they decided to follow the Torah, the way that they viewed God calling them to live, and he rose up in those ranks to the place where he had entitled himself to the love and the respect of the people who were there trying to follow the Mosaic law well. They said, Paul is our example for doing that well. And so relationally, he was at the top of the heap. In terms of leadership, he was the top of the heap. You can read him giving his uh, CV, if you will, in some of his letters. And he brags about how he made it to the top. If we were to transpose that into the language of school, this would be someone who would say, I was in the top three of my class. 
I was the varsity team captain in 10th grade. This is the person who would say, I filled out my brackets perfectly for three consecutive seasons. Pause button, way to go, Michigan. One person who's excited. Okay, let's jump back in. Let's get spiritual again. Paul was in a place where he had accumulated around him people who said, if I want to follow God, Paul is the person who is going to show me best with his words and his actions who God is. And then Paul did a (laughs) U-turn. He left the church. And he decided to follow this ragtag group of people who had decided to become fishermen. They left their tasks as fishermen, rather, as tax collectors, as people who were so invested in politics that they were willing to kill people. They decided themselves to follow Jesus as a group of folks who were looked at as unwise and foolish. And Paul said, I'm going to be with that group of people and follow a Jesus who will lead me down the path of being, in terms of leadership, bankrupt with everyone who I have worked with. He gave up the currency that he had to lead people in order to rehabilitate the loves of his life to pursue God through the person of Jesus. He gave up what he thought was sweet because he found it to be bitter and picked up Jesus Christ, what he found to be actually sweet. Life wasn't easy for Paul. (laughs) He began to tell people all around him about this Jesus and the way that he himself, Paul, had been convinced that Jesus was the one prophet, the one person to follow because he was actually Jesus' son. And the result of that is the context in which Paul writes this letter. Imprisoned. The leader of a religious social organization who was respected by many. Now in a dirty cell. Dependent on the gifts of God's people who are metaphorically driving through life wondering how it is they're going to fill their own gas tanks, who are more interested in accumulating Chick-fil-A sauce for themselves, Paul is trying to reach out to them in ways through prayer, in contacting them through people who he knows and loves, and he is asking them to see him And he's calling out to God and asking the God of heaven who he has decided to follow through the person of Jesus. And that's all he has in order to be taken care of. This is not Paul sitting in his home at a vast banquet table thanking God for the food that he's given him and saying, man, in this kind of context, I can be content. Paul is not sitting in a place of privilege. He is sitting in a place of immense lack of privilege. And he writes these words, I know what it is to have little. And I know what it is to have plenty. Plenty is in the rearview mirror. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. In, every, in any and every situation, whether being well-fed or going hungry. Forgive my, miss, my error there in the typing. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. How's your life right now? You're looking at plenty right through the windshield of life, or are you looking at it through the rearview mirror? I don't know where you are. I know that for many of us, if we just narrow it down to how we orient our lives and the way we've attached ourselves to the things that we've thought are sure and steady, it feels like everything has been taken away, and we've had plenty of things that we could hold on to. Now there's war. 
There's questions in people's minds about it. Are we going to have World War III? What kinds of stories are we going to be telling our kids and our grandkids in 20 years about what's happening right now and in the next couple of years? People who are still trying to get back on their feet from the effects of COVID. We have people in this room and who are watching online and in our own neighborhoods who are waiting to find out how they're going to navigate life after they go see the doctor to try to hopefully get something taken care of. And the life that they saw as plenty in front of them is suddenly moving to the rear view mirror. And as a church, we have the opportunity to decide in what direction we will go. We can sit at the table of plenty and we can say to ourselves from behind the screens of our laptops or the screens of our touch phones and we can put things like, man, you know, I can trust God in the really good moments and we can put those really great pictures up, right? Man, my kid just did a really great job at the play. Let me post a picture of that. Praise God. God is good, isn't he? We'd love to do that, right? I got four Chick-fil-A sauces in the driveway. Check this out. Drive through. Paul would look at that and he would say, okay, and? <laughs> what about the people who don't have plenty? Are you only able to be content follower of Jesus when you are sitting at the banquet tables of life? Are you able to be content when you go to the gas pump and you have to mentally reorder some of your budget lines in order to fill your gas tank? Are you content with that? Paul's writing to a group of people in Philippi who are in the midst of an increasing temperature of persecution that's coming for them just like it has come for him. He's not talking from the perspective of a whiteboard and possibilities that are out there, hypothetically speaking. He is talking from the perspective of this life that I am living that is up and down And for me right now as Paul is very down is the same kind of life that you as a follower of Jesus are invited to live. Because if you remember, the story of the Lenten season is a story of Jesus walking closer and closer and closer to his own death. And so follower of Jesus living in an American country in the Western world where we are developed and we have banquet tables around us all the time, can you be content both at the banquet table and in the dark, quiet, forgotten spaces of life where you are dependent on the love of the people around you who say that they follow Jesus too? You can see how this last statement of Paul here, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, has nothing to do with, I can run that marathon in three hours because God is with me. This statement, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me, is cheapened when we write it on our shoes before a soccer district game so that we can win district because God is with me, I can do all things. Paul's comments where he is saying he is able to be content are summed up. They are leading up to this statement that anchors him in the moments of plenty and of lack. This mantra, if you will, that goes through his mind. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It might require me to reorder my loves because like Paul, I'm... I'm sure that many of us would love to be loved by people, right? We'd love to be admired by the people around us. We would love to have the Facebook page that people wake up to in the morning and say, I want to be inspired by someone. Let's go to your Facebook page. I'm sure that you want to be the person who your kids come to when they ask you questions 
or when they have questions to ask. Some of us will contort our lives in different ways so that that love, the love of being loved, the love of being respected, the love of looking like we have our lives put together and we will contort ourselves in such a way that we are no longer moving in the direction of growing in Jesus. but We're instead growing in the direction of an American religion. And that right there is going to prompt emails from some of you. That's okay. I can handle that. This is a painting here called the Magdalene with the Smoking Flame. Magdalene being prostitute. Prostitute is someone who's able to experience a level of power, a level of control, a level of Control. Able to live a life that brings a certain level of income that depending on how well you're doing could be pretty good. It's also a life that brings with it a lot of shame, of guilt, of judgment from the people around you. There's a story written in the Gospels. A few of them write about it. Remember, this is the Gospels are written a few years after Paul writes the letter that we just read a part of. There's a story of this Magdalene, this prostitute who decides, I've had plenty and I've lacked a lot. And she follows the same U-turn that Paul takes. She decides to say that the loves of my life are wrong. <laughs> Whatever her loves are, whether it's money or power or just being self-sustaining, are not enough. And she U-turns herself to the feet of Jesus at a meal. She washes his feet. She puts herself in a place where she is dependent on being noticed by, being loved, not just by the people of God, but by the Son of God Himself. And in those moments, she may not have used the very same words, but I imagine her in this picture the night before she goes, or maybe the night of going to see Jesus, feeling a level of anxiety a level of motivation, of I can do this. I think this picture captures well some of the very same moments that we ourselves live. Where we can be mid-U-turn. Contemplating, can I give up my loves? Can I reorder the priorities in my life enough to place myself in a spot where I need to be seen by God and by his people to be taken care of. And I think the mantra that she probably has in her head is something like what Paul says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Where in your life are you thinking that you need a U-turn? I need a U-turn when it comes to driving. For me, driving is an opportunity to win. It's funny how the obvious things in life for us will reveal the subtleties of our own loves, right? When I get in my car, I, I choose to navigate to where I'm going, not because I need directions, but because I want to know what Siri says is the amount of time it should take me to get there. And then I'm going to beat that time. Because what do I love? Winning. I love getting where I want to go quickly. 
That's a love of my life that's revealed in something obvious that reveals a subtlety of my own heart where I am first. What's something obvious in your life that may reveal for you something subtly true about your own loves? I want to invite you to take a minute just to think about that. If you choose to engage this question, in essence, you are choosing whether or not to make a U-turn because there's a decision that has to be made. I, we can decide to reorient, I can decide to reorient the loves of my life and demote my own desire to win so that the Jesus who I follow wins and make that U-turn, or I can choose not to. And so can all of you. I can't make that choice for you, which is probably for some of you really encouraging and maybe for some of you a little bit discouraging. I want to blend together two things. The last statement in the passage of Scripture that we read together, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, and the prayer that you read with me at the beginning. Because I think that alone, these two statements are very helpful for us to keep in our heads as mantras. I think together, they become even more potent. Perhaps if you're looking for something that you can take with you that will anchor you in this next week, these words might be enough for you. If they're not, that's okay. But maybe there is something for you that you can find. I want to suggest to you that it would be worth it for you to find and leverage that. Let's do this together and see if this is maybe helpful for you. Read these with me. As you decide what you turns to make in life, may these be words that help you. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I give and surrender myself wholly to you and offer you all I possess. One more time. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I give and surrender myself wholly to you and offer you all I possess. We can do anything that God calls us to do. The price of that is this, giving and surrendering myself our loves, to use the language of that first quote, to reform our loves, rehabilitate our loves. The simple question is, are we willing to do that? God, it's a powerful thing for you to have inspired people to write for us letters that reveal for us the struggles that they have in their own lives that have both pushed them toward and caused them to wrestle with not moving further away from you. And these words that have been written down for so long are words that are still in some way through your work active and living and powerful enough to shape our own lives today. And so God, for many of us who grew up in Christian schools, who grew up in churches, I know that these words can feel dusty and like they were written for a long time ago and they're antiquated and they're not useful for now, just like a VHS player. But God, would you humble us enough to realize that we're in the same kind of spot <laughs> that Paul is in? Spaces of our lives, we are lost and forgotten and we need you, we need the people around you to notice us, and to provide for us. And in those spaces, God, would you help us to be content? Would you help us to know that your love for us, our connection with you, is durable enough to bring us through that? And in the moments of plenty, where we have more than what we need, would you help us to remain humble and content, recognizing that you are the constant, even in those things, even in those spaces where we have so much our value, our hope is not anchored in those things because they disappear, they go away so fast just like they did for Paul. So God, thank you for being a God who strengthens us to do the things that you call us to do. 
we have declared this morning with our mouths, help us to declare it with our hearts that we will give and surrender ourselves wholly to you and offer you all that we possess. In Christ's name, amen. We have a partnership with Remember Niger. If you've been at Sunrise for a while, you've heard us talk about this organization. It's an organization that Sunrise has been linked with for several years. I think since basically we started, if not prior to that even. One of the opportunities that we have in front of us right now in this Lenten season, we are, we are talk, when we are talking about things like having plenty and not having enough and being content, recognizing that it is God who carries us through, we have an opportunity to remind ourselves of that, not just by hearing a sermon, not just by reading a passage of scripture, but by stepping into action. Here's the step in action. It's an invitation for you. Remember, Niger has a goal that over the course of the 40 days of this Lenten season, 40 kids who need to be sponsored, who need to have enough to be fed, to be taken care of, to go to school, they're looking for 40 children to receive the support that they need from folks like us. And these aren't kids who are sitting at large banquet tables who are thinking, you know what? Their parents are thinking it'd be really great if these kids went to private school instead of a public school. Or if they could get all the equipment that they need to make the varsity team. No, these are kids, these are families who don't have parents anymore. Kids who have had meningitis in such a way that it has caused devastating effects for them and they are sitting in the dark spaces of life dependent on God and his people to see and to provide for them. And so even right now, we have an opportunity <laughs> to not just gain the information of it's important for us to reorder our loves, but we have the opportunity to rehabilitate our loves and to change the way that we think so that maybe we could be to these kids what the Philippians were to Paul. A group of people who would love and provide for them in such a way that they could say like Paul, God provides for me. In the moments of plenty, when I had my parents, when I was healthy, and even in these moments where I don't. For some of you, this is an opportunity that you need to take advantage of. For some of you, it's not, and that's okay. But I want to encourage you as you go out the doors here, there's a table just to the right. <clears throat> Erin Placencia will be there. She's super tall, brown hair. You'll see her easily. Much easier to find her than me. Stop there. Even if all you do is say a quick mental prayer for those kids. To pray for those who are deciding to adopt these kids so that they can go to school, so that they can have what it is that they need. That would be okay. For some of you, what you need to do, whether you're online or you're in the room, is you need to find out more information and see if maybe this is one of the ways that God is inviting you to do a U-turn, giving up yourself, of being in control, of having power, of being respected, of having what you want so that you can pursue a life that reminds us again that we are anchored by Christ and his love for us. Along with that, there's an opportunity to respond by giving. There's a bucket there on the, before you leave that you can put money in. If you brought that with you, a check or money, whatever that is, you can do that electronically. No one is watching you. So those are two very specific ways that you can respond to what it is we hope God is doing in your heart this morning. Another way is to sing with us. Whether it's staying seated, standing up and raising your hands, whatever that is, asking someone next to you for prayer, don't let this time together end without in some way rehabilitating your loves so that we can continue to be a people who are transformed by God's love and grace, not just in our heads, but in a way that moves us out into our community to transform this world with God's love and with his grace.
my life is yours my hope is in you only my heart you hold cause you made this inner holy
sing that again. Paul is a man who knows that this is true, and he writes to the people who saw him and who provided for him these words, My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Not according to the American dream, not according to your retirement plan, but according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And he says, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Sunrise, you are loved, not just by this staff or the elders or the directors or the people in your small group or your parents, but you are loved by a God who is with you in the times of plenty and in the times where you feel lost and alone and unseen. Carry that with you this week and use it to transform this world with God's love and God's grace. We love you guys.